This is a new podcast series called Clarity Generates Confidence. All right, welcome to this episode of Clarity Generates Confidence. I am absolutely ecstatic to have with me Mike Koenigs, who I don't know how to describe other than to say entrepreneur extraordinaire for all the things that he's done and been involved in. I'm sure we'll get to hear some of it. Mike and I know each other through, again, Strategic Coach, which has been a major connection that I've had. Also, Abundance 360, we keep uh, bumping into each other. That And he does this far more often than I do. So he's, as I say, he's the professional, he's the expert around the, the podcast. But I'm delighted that, that Mike is with us today. And so, Mike, thank you very much for joining us. It is my pleasure, Gary. Thank you for this opportunity. I, I began to do a little bit of looking into your your background and things that you've been involved in because so often when I'm at strategic coach I never really ask anybody I'm always humbled and excited by what everybody does and certainly you came out the same way as well and and, and we'll get into that but what we're trying to do in this season two of clarity generates confidence is help people think about their world as it is now as it goes forward you know those of us in Canada and other jurisdictions are still under some lockdowns. I heard that New York is going to open up on May 19th. Florida is opening up. California's cases are, COVID cases are down. So things are going to open, you know, what I'll call more haphazard fashion, not, not all at once. So maybe let me, let me ask you this. What's most surprised you for your work in, in the last 14 months? Well, I think first and most important thing is there was the quick shift to virtual And a lot of what I've been doing for the past three years, I sold my company, my last company, which is my fifth, several years ago. We did a combination of live events, in-person, digital products, and that kind of thing. And my new business is very much working with business owners, business leaders, and founders and helping them reinvent themselves, for example. And the first thing is the quick shift to virtual. And those who adjusted quickly had their best years ever during the pandemic, which was very interesting. You know, there's a, there's, it, it literally is split down the sides. And I'm not talking about restaurant businesses and that kind of thing, but even in-person businesses, studio-related businesses, for example, they just started focusing on education and training. And in general, and in, in our case, both of us belong to Strategic Coach. I belong to a, a variety of different in-person business groups. In general, no what nobody complained about digital versus live or even complained about the value they're receiving. So this focus on, I will use this time to reinvent myself. The relationship focus and also, in general, people have said to me, I love the fact that I don't have travel. I love the fact that I don't have body damage right now. And those who were mentally prepared for this, the pandemic to happen, used it in a highly productive way. Now, that isn't to say there isn't a lot of languishing, depression, weight gain, and that sort of thing. But in general, I think the best way to sum it up is the fact that people adapted so rapidly. It was mind-blowing. I wouldn't have guessed it. I wouldn't have predicted it. And if I would have had to put money on a bet, I wouldn't have bet that people adapted as quickly as they did. Well, I absolutely agree with that. And and I think the reason that that happened was, is that we all experienced it at once. You know, you know, Dan Sullivan and I was in his workshop in March last year and a question got asked early March. And he said, 
you know, what about having online workshops? And he said, well, stood up, you know, Dan, this is the way it is. This is what we're going to do. He says, I'll die on, I'll die on stage, so to speak. You know, I got another 25 years plus to go with this. And two weeks later, everything's on pause and we're, we do the pivot to virtual. And so because we couldn't see that, Mike, you know, we, we couldn't see that. But the, I think what you've just said and what I've seen is some of us were ready to go. Some of us were prepared, not for a pandemic of that nature, but because everybody experienced it at once all around the world was probably the single greatest opportunity in our lifetime to be able to make that kind of change. Do you think what will come forward? What comes forward now from a year and a half ago, say the beginning of 2020? I mean, we're still people, we're still humans. I, I hear a lot of, you know, we all want to get back together again. I almost feel like it's a, the, the world might be a bit like the warm champagne that you've shaken up and you pull the cork off. It's going to fizz out all over the place. Is, is something like that going to happen? Or are we going to be much more reserved to our virtual worlds that we, we're experiencing now? On a observational level, so I'll call it global, and then I'll do a, a personal one. Something's very specific that I've been doing and I know I'll continue doing. The obvious one, which is the shift to virtual, I would say about 50% of people I know are, and these are business owners, business leaders, are like, yep, not going back to the office. Use this as an opportunity to get out of it. They shed a lot of fat, whether that was expenses. In many cases, people who it was time for them to go anyway, it was a, a convenient excuse. And so efficiency was was one of them. I think the focus on efficiency. The other thing that I've noticed is deep relationships. I have gotten and created much deeper, more authentic relationships with a lot of people that are around me, including my wife, for example. It's not that we didn't, but we use this as an opportunity to really get deeper and more intense with each other. But one thing that I think is going to be weird, and I don't know, I'll say something that will stay the same after the pandemic is touching, shaking hands. If you think about it, people who are mask wearers or weird about you know shaking hands right now, you notice there's the elbow bump or a fist bump or whatever. I think it's going to take a long time, and we don't know the residual traumatic effect that this will happen. If you think about I'm not comparing it to the the Great uh, Depression. The but, however, is there are some people who never recovered from the Great Depression and they hoarded, um, you know, toilet paper or products like that. I think there's going to be some long term traumatic effects on society that are simply unpredictable right now. So, just a short background: about eight years ago, I had cancer. I had stage three A colorectal cancer and went through major surgery, chemotherapy, radiation. And because of that, I've had to really pay attention to my diet. And during the pandemic, peptides, which I have been using regularly, what pushed the button and made that happen is I was out on my electric bike. I flipped, landed on my shoulder, broke it, and then had a bunch of tissue and muscle damage as a result, which is horrible. I do not recommend breaking a collarbone to anyone. It is unbelievably painful. But after the bone healed, I had a lot of residual pain. It felt like I was being stabbed in the shoulder with a knife or a nail 24-7 for months. And I did all sorts of therapies and treatments. Nothing really worked to any substantial degree. I did some research, got some peptides, 
and started self-injecting. Within four days, half my pain was gone. Within 12 days, it was close to 95% gone. And I suddenly really went deep and became a bit of an expert on peptides. Now I cycle through and I do about seven or eight of them. And it's the closest thing I've found to a silver bullet, magic button, or the pill, the cure-all pill. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. Can't make health recommendations. Um, But I will say I've been using a couple. One of them is called BPC-157. Another one is Thymus and Alpha-1. There are a variety of other ones. But they are unbelievable for eliminating pain, getting rid of all sorts of ailments. And I just feel great as a result of them. So I think, uh, you know, again, from a personal perspective, a greater sense of focus on health, paying attention to well-being, but also seeing it in other people as well. You know, there's, there's certain times in our life that we go through that are really defining for us. I didn't have a cancer one, but I went through a business that I'd started and sold it, but got out with my shirt in the tire cycling business. And I'm again, 45, 46 years old. And now I'm facing and saying, uh, something's got to work over the next 20 years. Or what do I do? <laughs> you know, because as an entrepreneur, you don't have pensions, you don't have other things. And so you, we have those defining moments in our life. You either, you either pick yourself up and get going and to redefine how your world is going forward, or you succumb to it. Now, neither you did or I did, it's evidence that we're here. But that, that leads me to thinking, there's been an expression uh, that I've seen that nothing really, nothing really, if you'll accept this, nothing really changed during the pandemic. It's just all those trends that were happening accelerated. Those things that were going to go online went online faster. Zoom was here and we used Zoom for two or three years. You were, you were already doing things for a couple of years beforehand. Uh, retail, which now unfortunately got shut down. But so other than those things that got shut down, but the retail that hadn't got with bricks and mortar continued to go that direction. And, and businesses, I think the same thing, if you weren't really, if you didn't have robust processes in place, then you actually probably found out how, you know, weak your systems were. What have you seen in, in you know, from your work and your world that you've been involved in, either leading up to and certainly over the last year and a half? The biggest things that have happened that are obvious to all, I think most people is the rapid movement towards towards digitizing, virtualizing, dematerializing, but also crypto. I think one of the things, again, I'm, I'm the nature of my mind is I pay very, very, very close attention to trends, behaviors, human psychology, both on a personal and a large basis. And part of it is that's effectively what I do for a living is I help people either build their personal brands or business brands, the combination of both, and then figure out how to reach more customers who come to them prepared and ready to buy. So paying attention to what the trends are, the mindsets, and how to capitalize on that, but also how to really, really understand your customer is is part of this. So the the thinking process that I go through is, you know, where are we with digitization, virtualization, dematerialization, moving away from live events as, as one example? How do we deliver our products and services differently? What will stay? What will change? And how do we craft bigger, better offers for our best customers? That That's the thinking process on a business level. So everything revolves around that. And if you want to deep dive on it, 
we'll let's have at it. But the second one that I I I've been involved in for quite some time, but then I really got deep again is in cryptocurrency, and I've been receiving it, saving it, storing it. In fact, just as of right now, last night I met with a group of crypto experts talking about this new um, thing called an NFT, a non-fungible token. And the bottom line is it's a mechanism for digitizing an object and proving that it's real and then finding ways to monetize it in creative ways and how that can be done in our normal course of day-to-day or our business. And the, the world of, I'd say the inner world within us and a deeper invisible world is something that COVID accelerated. And I think most people are more sensitized to it and what it means, no matter what form that comes in. And again, I welcome you to deep dive as far down the tunnel as you want to go on that one. You know, I've been exposed to because of Abundance 360, and it's an area I don't know an awful lot about. But what I, I liked about what you said was, and, and which resonated with me, is the fact how everything moved to digital. We're going away from demonetizing. And I have, you know, my businesses that I sell product. I mean, I have products made in China and I bring them into the United States and Canada. So, I mean, I'm, in, I'm totally in, in that physical world. What I have seen is we've moved all of the service, which is really what I consider our business to be about, into the digital world. And even going further to the extent that where I see doing this and is actually helping people predict what they're going to order. So now using machine learning, artificial intelligence, historical data, economic predicted data in a world that for companies that are up to 100 or 150 million, where it just doesn't happen now. And even some of the big companies don't do what the demand forecasting. And I've been really excited about that. So we've, we've, been, we've been working on that piece. But what, I, what I'd like you to, where I do want to dive a little bit into you with is, is the crypto side of it. Because the only exposure that we had to crypto not currencies, but I'll say blockchain, the background to it, was in creating documents and in, in document creation where you could have your shipping document be what they call a smart document and have that eliminate a lot of just, I'm talking about simple things now, eliminate all the, the customs documentation, everything like that, being able to, and shipping documents all be put together. And it could be set up in such a way because of how the blockchain, my understanding is correct, it becomes the backbone of cryptocurrencies. There's a security to it. My point coming to yours, which I wouldn't mind you diving into, because there's just been a there's been to me like an explosion of cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency activity as I've been reading about, and maybe kind of help put that into perspective for for me and 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 for the audience. I'd appreciate that because I'm not that close to it. I'll go down a couple different angles and then I'll hone in on some practical tactical examples because for me, I like to to ask myself the question. And and part of this is just my mindset. I'm in a couple different modes most of the time. Some of it is just pure innovation, creativity, exploration of the future for future's sake, okay? Another one is relaxation mode, which is pure pleasure with people I love, doing things that I love to do that are not work-related. And then the third is let's make things that create huge value cause and create massive leverage to occur creates equity and makes money right it's it's just a game as a for example 
last year, I did some business with an individual in Malaysia. Well, it turned out that doing wire transfers was complicated and he wanted to move right away. He wanted to get started. And he said, hey, will you accept Bitcoin? And I said, well, sure. So I sent him my Bitcoin address and that's when Bitcoin was at $10,000. Well, I left it alone. And then, uh, you know, one day it was $37,000. So the investment he made more than quadrupled in value. And I called I called that our high-end RV fund, you know, my wife and I, you know, because it was like, great. You know, here you have an accelerated appreciating asset that I did not liquidate right away. I didn't need the cash, but I thought, well, what the hell, just keep it in there. And there's another service that I'm using. It's called Celsius. Celsius, think of it like a crypto bank. You can go and borrow cryptocurrency at rates that are incredibly low, like 1% kind of low. But because it's treated like a bank, if you pledge your assets to them, so for example, you can transfer your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, or any kind of cryptocurrency you have, and they'll pay you 65 to 8% interest on that asset, and they will pay you interest payments daily. And because it's all in, on an electronic ledger, it's on the blockchain, they have these smart contracts. So all the processing is done without human intervention and it is done super efficiently. I can go over there. I pledged, you know, if I can pledge a bunch of, of crypto, I'm getting making my interest and I could withdraw it at a moment's notice. And they're very close to having all the assets fully insured. So, you know, even if you had millions of dollars in assets, if something were to happen to them, you're covered. So technically, it'd be more secure than the FDIC, which only insures you to $100,000, for example. And I think what you're seeing is in the world of banking, in the world of loans, in the world of being able to liquidate and convert these tokens or money into fiat currency back and forth is getting easier and easier and easier. And you'll see that trend. The last thing on a practical, tactical level, and again, then we can go deeper, so I'm brainstorming yesterday with a group of very young crypto experts who are doing these NFTs. And right now there's a, a mad dash to make a lot of money. So they'll take, let's say, an original piece of art, something that could be counterfeited, and they will turn it into what they call an NFT or a non-fungible token, which effectively means you own this digital product and you can monetize it however you want. So in this particular instance, I guess I just for security, I don't know if I'm under an NDA, so I'm not going to mention exactly what this is, but I'll give you a real life example. Let's say you're a band and you said, we're going to do a concert and all over the stage, there are pieces of art and you can buy that art. So you own it and it's going to be displayed on stage for the entire concert. And by selling that art, you're effectively funding the concert. So you don't have to go out to a traditional concert person. And when you buy the art, you'll automatically receive a ticket to attend the virtual concert, maybe a physical ticket in the future that you can use however you want. And the organization will say that for everyone who invested in, in art, you're going to own a percentage of 10% of that concert and receive money for it. 
And because it's being paid with smart contracts, every transaction effectively could disperse cryptocurrency to you in a completely automated fashion. That's what a smart contract is. So what's happening right now is there are super creative young entrepreneurs rethinking the whole concept of what money and time and value is. So I'll give you one very last one. Imagine you're a winemaker and a high-end wine producer, which could be counterfeited. And let's say, for example, there would be some sort of an NFT stamp on that wine bottle, and you could verify it, but by buying that wine, you could receive a ticket to a tasting room, maybe some other kind of a bonus experience, and all of this is tracked, and everything can be uniquely verified on the blockchain because something is embedded or encoded on that bottle and you'd be able to follow it from creation to consumption. Wow. I mean, my mind's just starting to go in, in a lot of different directions with that. So let's, because you're, you're at the, what I'll call the front, very front edge. How do we bring this down for people in the business today to look at? And, and a bit of background is that one of the things that I looked at because of foreign currencies, as you talk about, is that could we begin to use cryptocurrency with our suppliers in China, for example? There's a lot of currency controls that are there. They keep moving around to different jurisdictions in the world to where whether it goes into Tertola or now somewhere in the Pacific Islands somewhere to move things around. And I kind of go, you know, and we're, and we're always subject to exchange rates, for example, the Canadian dollar, the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar to the, the renminbi and kind of go, you know what? I'd like to get rid of all this stuff, you know, and, and somebody's got their hand in their pocket every step, every time there's a transaction, every time it's along the way. So are you seeing something that comes down into that world where you begin to talk about it? You talked about the wine example, I think becomes close to that. So a few things. I mean, this is. Honestly, one of the things that I'm doing right now with the people I work with is what are some new creative ways to leverage this new technology? Maybe put your toe in the water and something that provides immediate value, meaning it makes you money or saves you money right out of the chute. So I'll give you a, a real life potential example. One of them would simply be if you can start accepting crypto as payment, it's relatively easy to move in and out of an exchange now, meaning depending on the volume you need, um, you can move with some of the exchanges a couple million dollars in or out on a daily basis. I think one of them will do up to five million. But if you take the approach of like what Elon Musk did, which is big and it's a big risk, but I think brilliant when he invested in Bitcoin when it was down a little bit less than 40 grand. And now, of course, it's hovering in the 55 to 60 space, you know, that's something that you can take into account and mush around in your head. So in other words, maybe asking your buyer suppliers to start exchanging using crypto, if they can get it in and out. And again, that, that would be a slightly longer conversation than we have here, but it is becoming practical. So the other thing, and this is going a little bit deeper, but when I use the wine example, so it is entirely possible right now to create your own currency and there are exchanges for it. And so let's say, for example, I made something up and let's use a real life example for you, for example. Could you give me an example of a product 
that you can move around right now that you are manufacturing, delivering, selling, whether it's wholesale, retail, all the way from manufacturing, and something that would benefit from having training associated with it, or it requires training to use it well or properly? Any one of our products are are our sheet rubber, for example, or silicone would be useful from that standpoint, because what, what happens is, as it goes from us and to our customers, and then it may not be converted there, it gets converted somewhere else. Now the information gets lost. Okay, the information that chain gets lost. And we're also considering that as we go down that path, can we put in sensors, sensors to be able to determine where and determine failure. And now and now you start bringing a lot more value to what is more or less a, a commodity type product and because uh, people don't see it because it's a gasket and it's used everywhere. I mean, nothing works unless you have a rubber gasket or silicone gasket somewhere. But the information about that product totally gets lost as we go down the chain. And there's very little training right now. And the young people just don't have any idea because rubber is just not rubber. It's multiple different types and different applications and we we paid out a, we paid out lots of money for people who don't know how to use it properly for business purposes, not because we've been at fault, but you know. So I can see that being a case for that. So I'm in a blue sky with you, but you know sometimes you have to innovate on the fly to get to the destination. But let's pretend you could embed a little sensor in a gasket, and let's pretend that there was an incentive in place where each time the gasket got installed. At an operations, we'll call it a smart contract, would get enabled on a mobile phone, and the person had to open up an app and point it at the installation area and answer three questions, and that would translate into unlocking. It could be a, something that could directly benefit the employee or the installer, and something that would uh, that would benefit the business. Okay. And, you know, and I'm just, again, I'm in a blue sky. Let's say you could earn Amazon, an Amazon gift card, for example, and the employer would unlock as long as, you know, they, they maintained a 90% installation click rate, whatever that may happen to be, that they would get an ongoing 7% discount. All right. So the, the whole point is, there that's that's like call that a tier one solution it's it's behavioral based benefits value creation a secondary one is you could create your own currency and it could be used inside your own business much like in the days of barter for a little while there were barter certificates there wasn't cash going around now the irs hates this kind of thing but now inside the world of smart contracts and movement, there are some ways to do this so creatively that it effectively masks the fact that there could be currency moving back and forth as well. But you know, again, because these currencies can be l- liquidated, there are issues with it right now. It's a little bit early on. But the notion that you could create benefits that could eventually have a cash value, not unlike you know, airline points. So, but I think the key thing is to start thinking about how could I create positive behaviors and positive value that ultimately eliminate lawsuits and replacements and what I'll call either user ignorance or user stupidity through accountability. And you know what? 
Those are the two things, ignorance and stupidity. Those are the two things that we run into. But the thing that I thought about as you're going through that, talk about a loyalty program. And again, you're coming to Hell point. Yeah. And, yeah. and go and now, well, we're we're okay. So it's so it's a black rubber gasket, but it's got the sensors got and I need to replace it. Well, you don't have to do anything because that information goes right back to the guys who's supplying it and they have it ready for you. I mean, that totally fits with what with what we're trying to do at the other end in the AI and machine learning end, because we don't have any data at the field. That's the biggest problem. Nobody has any data and nobody says they can ever predict it, which whenever it says you can't do it, I figure there's a way to do it. I just have to find a way. So that's phenomenal. Right. Well, and if it's a benefit, if it's a benefits to all parties, boom, you solve your problem. And I'm a big believer in, you know, rewarding mutually beneficial behavior. And, Sometimes we're too close to our own business and our own problems to see what is the non-obvious solution or the obvious solution. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what excites me about this is, you know, you can this universe is very fractal and it's very meta. You know, when you look up into the skies and you see the stars and the galaxies and the nebula and when you look through the microscope, you start seeing the same patterns. Right. So. Carl Sagan says, we're all starlight powered by stardust. I think what this world of crypto is doing is encouraging us to see uh, patterns and cosmos and universes and galaxies in different ways and through different lenses and shatter our old perceptions of what money, stored time and stored value are, what they represent and who should be in control of them. For a moment there, I thought you'd even read my website because one of our main tenants is mutually beneficial long-term relationships. And so you're going right down that path. So that's cool. Mike, this is this has been awesome. We'll have to do this again sometime when we get that uh, get an opportunity because I hadn't I hadn't considered this direction of crypto, although it's it's in my mind, it's been been lurking back there in terms of how we can take advantage of it. But just as we come to wrap this up, and you know, I had that that last question here. I mean the experiences you've had, the people you've been in, in touch with, the thought process you have has really been incredible. What what do we want to leave people with thinking about to help them move forward in, in their lives right now, either personal or professional? What, what would we like to leave them with at this point, Mike? Well, I'll, I'll give you a thought through my own personal lens, which is I'm, I just turned 55 and less than 10 years ago, I almost died. And I've had a couple of near-death experiences. Cancer was a real close one. And it did dramatically affect me and cause me to rethink every part of my life, my relationships. I renegotiated a lot of relationships, external and internal. And if you spend more time thinking through the lens, through the rocking chair perspective, that's the first thing. And then the, the second one is, I've made a very deliberate decision to make work play, play work, to work with people I love and to work on businesses that I love or can fall in love with and to create experiences within business as well. So for example, um, my wife and I are, are buying a place in Baja, Mexico. We both love Mexico and love it down there. Um, but I'm doing business trips with high value individuals that I want to get to know better, for example. So we'll go on a 
fishing trip to the Baja or a visit to wine country. And it turns out there's 300 wineries across the border in Guadalupe Valley in Mexico, which is incredibly safe, incredibly high quality. So, you know, how can you make life an adventure and make it fun? And it doesn't have to be a grind. It can be a creative expression. And I think the, the lens that you can try on is you can be a human doing, you can be a human being, but to be a human expression is giving glory to your creator. It is attaining all the possibility and potential and to be fully expressed. And I, I think we forget that in our day to day and ask ourselves, how can I make work more play and work more fun and make the experience a human expression, not a human doing? Mike, what's so, so well said. And I, I have a, have a decade or so on you and, uh, and I'll say that one strategic coach has helped me through all this process. And I've learned there's only three things that I do. I, I connect people, I create things and I coach and I learn. I stay in that lane. Um, I've started this podcast. I got another, I've written a couple of books like you. I've got another book coming out about the future, what I call hindsight to foresight. Why? Cause I, what will it do for me? I don't know. It doesn't have, I don't have any monetary value attached to any of this. It's because I want to do it. I want to learn take my experiences and bring them out to other people. And it's, it's, it's phenomenal, fascinating what you've done. And I, I, again, I didn't know you that well. I'm glad we had this time here today to be able to have this conversation. So thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Appreciate you being on with us. It's my pleasure, Gary. And to all the listeners, until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.